0: Chapter twenty five of Unleavened Bread. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Unleavened Bread by Robert Grant. Chapter twenty five. At the close of the fortnight of her stay in Washington, subsequent to the reception at the White House, Selma found herself in the same frame of mind as when she parted from Mr. Elton. During this fortnight her time was spent either in sightseeing or at the hotel the exercises at the capitol were purely formal preliminary to a speedy adjournment of congress consequently her husband had no opportunity to distinguish himself by addressing the house of flossy she saw nothing though the two men had several meetings apparently both lyons and williams were content with a surface reconciliation between their wives which did not bar family intercourse at least her husband made no suggestion that she should call on mrs williams and flossy's card did not appear beyond making the acquaintance of a few more wives and daughters in the hotel who seemed as solitary as herself selma received no overtures from her own sex she knew no one and no one saw her out or paid her attention she still saw fit to believe that if she were to establish herself in washington and devote her energies to rallying these wives and daughters about her she might be able to prove that flossy and mr elton were mistaken but she realized that the task would be less simple than she had anticipated besides she yearned to return to benham and take up again the thread of active life there benham would vindicate her and some day benham would send her back to washington to claim recognition and her rightful place lyons found himself in a cheerful mood and found congenial occupation in visiting with his wife the many historical objects of interest and in chatting in various hotel corridors with the public men of the country his associates in congress his solicitude in regard to the account which williams was carrying for him had been relieved temporarily by an upward turn in the stock market and the impending prompt adjournment of congress had saved him from the necessity of taking action in regard to the railroad bill which williams had solicited him to support moreover selma had repeated to him horace elton's prophecy that it was not unlikely that some day he would become senator to be sure he recognized that a remark like this uttered to a pretty woman by an astute man of affairs such as elton was not to be taken too seriously there was no vacancy in the office of senator from his state and none was likely to occur at the present time if one should occur his party in the state legislature was in a minority hence prophecy was obviously a random proceeding nevertheless he was greatly pleased for after all Elton's could scarcely have made the speech had he not been genuinely well disposed the senatorship was one of the great prizes of political life and one of the noblest positions in the world it would afford him a golden opportunity to leave the impress of his convictions on national legislation and defend liberties of the people by force of the oratorical gifts that he possessed elton had referred to these gifts in complimentary terms was it not reasonable to infer that elton would be inclined to promote his political fortunes such an ally would be invaluable For Elton was a growing power in the industrial development of the section of the country where they both lived. He had continued to find him friendly in spite of his own antagonism on the public platform to corporate power. A favorite and conscientious hope in his political outlook was that he might be able to make capital, as well as labor, believe him to be a friend without alienating either, that he might obtain support at the polls from both factions, and thus be left free after election to work out, for their mutual advantage, appropriate legislation. He had avowed himself unmistakably the champion of popular principles in order to win the confidence of the common people, but his policy of reasonable conciliation led him to cast sheep's eyes at vested interests, and he could do so without exposing himself to the charge of inconsistency. Many of his friends were wealthy men, and his private ambition was to amass a handsome fortune that had been the cause of his speculative ventures in local enterprises, which promised large returns, and in the stock market. Horace Elton was a friend of but three years standing, one of the men who had consulted him occasionally in regard to legal matters since he had become a corporation attorney. He admired Elton's strong, far-reaching grasp of business affairs, his capacity to formulate and incubate on plans of magnitude without betraying a sign of his intentions, and his power to act with lightning despatch and overwhelming vigor when the moment for the consummation of his purpose has arrived. He also found agreeable Elton's genial, easy-going ways outside of business hours, which frequently took the form of social entertainment, at which expense seemed to be no consideration, and gastronomic novelties were apt to be presented. Lyons attended one of these private banquets while in Washington. A dinner party served to a carefully chosen company of public men, to which newspaper scribes were unable to penetrate. This same genial, easy-going tendency of Elton's to make himself acceptable to those with whom he came in contact took the form of a gift to mrs lyons of a handsome cameo pin which he presented to her a day or two after their dialogue at the president's reception and for which as he confidently informed selma he had been seeking a suitable wearer ever since he had picked it up in an out-of-the-way store in brussels the previous summer on the day of their departure selma as she took a last look from the car window at the capitol and the washington monument said to her husband this is a beautiful city worthy in many respects of the genius of the american people "'but I never wish to return to Washington until you are United States Senator. "'Would you not be satisfied with Justice of the Supreme Court?' asked Lyons gaily. "'I should prefer Senator. If you were Senator, you could probably be appointed to the Supreme Court in case you preferred that place. "'I am relying on you, James, to bring me back here some day.' "'She whispered this in his ear as they sat with heads close together, looking back at the swiftly receding city.' selma's hands were clasped in her lap and she seemed to her lover to have a dreamy air an air suggesting poetry and high ethical resolve such as he liked to associate with her and their scheme of wedded life it pleased him that his wife should feel so confident that the future had in store for him this great prize and he allowed himself to yield to the pathos of the moment and whisper in reply i will say this selma my business affairs look more favorable and if nothing unforeseen happens i do not see why we shouldn't get on reasonably fast nowadays in order to be a united states senator comfortably it is desirable in the first place to have abundant means yes we must be patient and god-fearing and with your help dear and your sympathy we may live to see what you desire come to pass of course my ambition is to be senator and to take you back to washington as a senator's life Selma had not chosen to confide in lions and set terms, her social grievance against the capital of her country, but she was glad to perceive from his last words that he understood she was not satisfied with the treatment accorded her, and that he also was looking forward to giving her a position which would enable her to rebuke the ungodly and presumptuous. Thank you, James, she answered. When that time comes, we shall be able to teach them a number of things. For the present, though, I feel that I can be of best service to you and to the truths which we are living for by interesting myself in whatever concerns benham we believe in benham and benham seems inclined to believe in us and our ideas the ensuing year passed uneventfully lyons was able to be at home from the first of april to the reassembling of congress in the following december he was glad to give himself up to the enjoyment of his handsome establishment he resumed the tenor of his professional practice feeling that as a sober-minded married citizen he had become of more importance to the community and he was eager to bear witness to his sense of responsibility he took a more active part in soliciting contributions for evangelizing benighted countries and he consented on several occasions to deliver an address on success in life to struggling young men of benham and the surrounding towns His easy flow of words, his dignity and his sober but friendly mien made him a favorite with audiences and constantly broadened his circle of acquaintances. Selma on her side took up the organization of the free hospital provided by Mr. Parsons. Her husband left the decision of all but legal and financial questions to her and Miss Luella Bailey, who at Selma's request was made the third party of the Board of Trustees. She decided to call on a committee of prominent physicians to formulate a program of procedure in matters purely medical but she reserved a right of rejection in their conclusions and she insisted on the recognition of certain cardinal principles as she called them she specified that no one school of medicine should dictate the policy of the hospital as regards the treatment of patients to the young physician whom she selected to assist her in forming this administrative board she stated with stern emotion i do not intend that it shall be possible in this hospital for men and women to be sacrificed simply because doctors are unwilling to avail themselves of the latest resources of brilliant individual discernment i know what it means to see a beloved one die who might have been saved had the physician in charge been willing to try new expedients the doors of this hospital must be ever open to rising unconventional talent there shall be no creeds nor caste of medicine here she also specified that the matron in charge of the hospital should be mrs earle whose lack of trained experience was more than counterbalanced by her maternal humanitarian spirit as selma expressed it she felt confident that mrs earle would choose as her assistants competent and skilful persons and at the same time that her broad point of view and sympathetic instincts would not allow her to turn a deaf ear to aspiring but technically ignorant ability this selection of mrs earle was a keen pleasure to selma it seemed to her an ideal selection mrs earle was no longer young and was beginning to feel the constant labor of lecture and newspaper work exhausting this dignified and important post would provide her with a permanent income and would afford her an attractive field for her progressive capabilities selma's choice of young dr ashman as the head of the medical board was due to a statement which came to her ears that he was reviled by some of the physicians of benham because he had patented certain discoveries of his own instead of giving his fellow-practitioners the benefit of his knowledge selma was prompt to detect in this hostility an envious disposition on the part of the regular physicians to appropriate the fruits of individual cleverness and to repress youthful revolt against conventional methods dr ashman regarded his selection as the professional chief of this new institution as a most auspicious occurrence from the standpoint of his personal fortunes he was ambitious ardent and keen to attract attention with an abundant fund of energy and a nervous driving manner he was besides good-looking and fluent and he quickly perceived the drift of selma's intentions in regard to the hospital and accommodated himself to them with enthusiasm they afforded him the very opportunity which he most desired the chance to assert himself against his critics and to obtain public notice the watchword of liberty and distrust of professional canons suited his purposes and his mood and he threw himself eagerly into the work of carrying out selma's projects as a result of the selection of dr ashman and of the other members of the administrative board who were chosen with a view to their availability as sympathetic colleagues letters of protest from several physicians appeared in the newspapers complaining that the new hospital was being conducted on unscientific and shallow principles disapproved of by the leading men of the profession selma was indignant yet thrilled she promptly took steps to refute the charge and explained that the hostility of these correspondents proceeded from envy and hide-bound reluctance to adopt new and revolutionizing expedients through the aid of mrs earle and miss luella bailey a double leaded column in the benham sentinel set forth the merits of the new departure in medicine which was cleverly described as the revolt of the talented young men of the profession from the tyranny of their conservative elders benham became divided in opinion as to the merits of this controversy and selma received a number of anonymous letters through the post approving her stand in behalf of advanced independent thought among the physicians who were opposed to her administration of the hospital she recognized with satisfaction the name of a doctor paget who as she happened to know was mrs hallett taylor's medical adviser another matter in which selma became interested was the case of mrs hamilton she was a woman who had been born in the neighborhood of benham but had lived for twenty years in england and had been tried in england by due process of law for the murder of her husband and sentenced to imprisonment for life some of the people of the state who had followed the testimony as reported in the american newspapers had decided that she ought not to have been convicted accordingly a petition setting forth the opinion of her former neighbors that she was innocent of this charge and should as an american citizen be released from custody was circulated for signature a public meeting was held and largely attended at which it was resolved to send a monster petition to the british authorities with a request for mrs hamilton's pardon and also to ask the government at washington to intercede on behalf of the unfortunate sufferer the statement of the case appealed vividly to selma and at the public meeting which was attended chiefly by women she spoke and offered the services of her husband to lay the matter before the president it was further resolved to obtain the names of influential persons all over the country, in order that the petition might show that the sentiment that that injustice had been done was national, as well as local. Selma espoused the case with ardor, and busied herself in obtaining signatures. She called on Miss Flagg, and induced her to sign by the assurance that the verdict was entirely contrary to the evidence she then had recourse to her former sister-in-law conceiving that the signature of the president of wetmore college would impress the english she and pauline had already exchanged visits and pauline had shown no umbrage at her marriage the possibility of being rebuffed on this occasion did not occur to selma she took for granted that pauline would only be too glad to give her support to so deserving a petition and she considered that she was paying her a compliment in soliciting her name for insertion among the prominent signers Pauline listened to her attentively, then replied, "'I am sorry for the woman. "'If she is innocent, and she's been falsely accused, "'of course she ought to be released. "'But what makes you think she is innocent, Selma?' "'The testimony did not justify her conviction. "'Everyone is of that opinion.' "'Have you read the testimony yourself, Selma?' "'No, Pauline.' "'Or your husband?' my husband is satisfied from what others have told him just as i am that this poor american woman is languishing in prison as the result of a cruel miscarriage of justice and that she never committed the crime of which she has been found guilty my husband has had considerable legal experiences pauline's questions were nettling and selma intended by her response to suggest the presumptuousness of her sister-in-law's doubts in the face of competent authority i realize that your husband ought to understand about such matters but may one suppose that the english authorities would deliberately allow an innocent woman to remain in prison they must know that the friends of mrs hamilton believe her innocent why should we on this side of the water meddle simply because she was born an american why selma drew herself up proudly in the first place i believe we believe that the english are capable of keeping her in prison on a technicality merely because she's there already they are worshippers of legal form and red tape my husband says and as to meddling why is it not our duty as an earnest and christian people to remonstrate against the continued incarceration of a woman born under our flag and accustomed to american ideas of justice meddling in my opinion we should be cowards and derelict in our duty if we did not protest pauline shook her head i cannot see it so it seems to me an interference which may make us seem ridiculous in the eyes of the english as well as offensive to them i'm sorry selma not to be able to do as you wish selma rose with burning cheeks but a stately air if that is your decision i must do without your name already we have many signatures and shall obtain hundreds more without difficulty we look at things differently pauline our point of view has never been the same ridiculous I should be proud of the ridicule of people too selfish and too enlightened to heed the outcry of aspiring humanity if we had to depend on your little set to strike the note of progress i fear we should sit with folded hands most of the time i do not know what you mean by my little set said pauline with a smile i am too busy with my college duties to belong to any set i see my friends occasionally just as you see yours and as to progress well i fear that you are right in your statement that we shall never look at things alike To me, progress presupposes in the individual attaining it a prelude of slow struggle, disheartening doubts, and modest reverence for previous results, for the accumulated wisdom of the past. I mean by your set the people who think as you do. I understand your point of view. I should have liked, she added, to ask you to share with me the responsibility of directing the policy of the Benham Free Hospital, had I known that you would listen to the voice of conservative authority in preference to that of fearless innovation i certainly should have hesitated long before i overruled the experience of those who had devoted their lives to conscientious effort to discover truth that illustrates admirably the difference between us pauline no one is more eager to aid the discovery of truth than i but i believe the truth often is concealed from those who go on day after day following humdrum routine however conscientious i recognized that dr ashman was a live man and had fresh ideas so i chose him as our chief of staff notwithstanding the doctors weren't friendly to him as a result my hospital has individuality and is already a success that's the sort of thing i mean good-bye she said putting out her hand i don't expect to convert you pauline to look at things my way but you must realize by this time that it is the benham way yet the leading physicians of benham disapprove of your plans for the management of the hospital said pauline firmly but the people of benham approve of them i prefer their sanction to that of a coterie of cautious unenthusiastic aristocrats selma true to her intentions did not return to washington with her husband when congress reassembled in december while she was absorbed with her philanthropic plans in benham lyons was performing his public duties seeking to do the country good service and at the right moment to attract attention to himself the opportunity to make a speech along the line of his public professions in behalf of labor against corporate monopoly did not offer itself until late in the session he improved the few minutes allowed him to such advantage that he was listened to with close attention and was at once recognized as one of the persuasive and eloquent speakers of the minority before congress adjourned he obtained another chance to take part in debate by which he produced an equally favorable impression the newspapers of the country referred approvingly to his cogent gift of statement and dignified style of delivery both the bills against which he spoke were passed by the republican majority but echoes of his words came back from some of their constituents and lyons was referred to as certain to be one of the strong men of the house if he returned to congress He went home at the close of the session in a contented frame of mind, so far as his political prospects were concerned, but he was not free to enjoy the congratulations accorded him, for the reason that his business ventures were beginning to give him serious solicitude. The trend of the stock market was again downward, an expectation of a rise from the previous depression he had added to the lines of shares which Williams and Van Horn were carrying for him. A slight rise had come, sufficient to afford him a chance to escape from the toils of Wall Street without loss, but he needed a profit to rehabilitate his ventures in other directions. His investments and the enterprises of his own state, which had now for some months appeared quiescent, if not languishing, from a speculative point of view. Everything pointed, it was said, to a further advance as soon as Congress adjourned so he had waited and now although the session was over the stock market and financial undertakings of every sort appeared suddenly to be tottering he had not been at home a month before prices of all securities began to shrink inordinately and the business horizon to grow murky with the clouds of impending disaster to add to his worry lyons was conscious that he had pursued a fast and loose mental course in regard to the railroad bill in which his broker williams was interested he had given williams to understand that he would try to see his way to support it yet in view of his late prominence in washington as a foe of legislation in behalf of moneyed interests he was more than ever averse to casting a vote in its favor the bill had not been reached before adjournment a result to which he had been secretly contributed but it was certain to be called up shortly after congress reassembled it disturbed him to feel that his affairs in new york were in such shape that williams could embarrass him financially if he chose it disturbed him still more that he appeared to himself to be guilty of bad faith his conscience was troubled, and his favorite palliative of consolation did not seem applicable to the case. End of chapter twenty five